and welcome to Alien Minute, the daily podcast where we are analyzing aliens in short, controlled bursts. I'm John Engel. And I'm Jason Heck, and today we'll be examining Minute 36, which begins with Ripley saying that the colony still has power, and ends with Sergeant Apone scanning the area with his autofocus binoculars. And that's right, folks. We have Jason Heck back with us again, this time acting as co-host with me. Thanks for coming on, Jason. Well, I'm always happy to be David Brenner to your Johnny Carson. Yeah, we've been through that. I, I'm not going to address that any further. We've been through that already. I appreciate. I told that. you. I told you you were Joan Rivers, and that's final. I'm just. I'm just happy to be here. I'm. I'm. I'm happy that you signed off with my parole officer. I'm. I'm just kind of happy to be working and productive again. Well, we're glad to have you. All right, and we also have a guest this week. We have cartoonist Chris Eliopoulos. Chris, thanks for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me. I love these things. So it'll be. It'll be fun. This is the, uh, definitely not one of the mini, uh, the movies that I'm like dried and you know like my blood is filled with uh since most of these other movies have been my childhood this this one came out when i was in college so um it doesn't have as much of a place in my heart but i still i love jim cameron so this is a good 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 movie to look at oh well it'll be nice to have someone who likes james cameron on the podcast really (laughs) nobody likes him huh well since avatar his stock has taken a dive i'm sure look i get that one i see i i don't know i i think i was going to come on and say i thought he was very underrated as a director i think he no that's but i'm mainly joking i think i'm leaving this has been the minute goodbye everybody no, we have a, we have a, we have a hearty respect for James Cameron here. So especially this movie and well, the first couple of movies he made, at least. Yeah, yeah. Well, do you really do you, do you think it took a dive? What do you think? At True Lies, Titanic was kind of the 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 B list Cameron, and then after that, you're you're done. I'm a I, I'm not a big fan of the Abyss, even though I thought there was a lot of cool stuff in the Abyss. It's kind of a disastrous story. To me, the way the story is told is a real mess. Yeah. So, and you know, I guess that's a hindsight thing. And when I rented the videotape, I thought it was amazing. I think I watched it like three times over a weekend. But in hindsight, I'm not a big fan of The Abyss. I do still love Terminator 2. Then True Lies, it starts to get pretty, yeah, pretty shaky. See, I like The Abyss. That's one of my favorites. So we, we stand to disagree. I guess that leads us into actually talking about the minute now. So we're getting the drop ship coming down. We're getting... You know, we have Ripley uh, has confirmed that they have power down on the station. So we're getting a little bit of exposition from her creates a little bit more of a mystery. So, yeah, we got the dropships really are very similar to the Terminator uh, ships from the, you know, the flash forwards, I guess you would say, in the Terminator. The aerial hunter killers. Yes. Yes. So I think that, you know, right here, we're definitely definitely in Cameron land here. We got heavy effect shots here, things that he's very familiar with. I think the sound of the dropship is very similar to the sound of the Hunter Killers as well. So I, he, it seems like he's almost carrying something over from Terminator here. Well, who would be surprised to find that that you know a guy who designs so much of his own stuff um, is going to to bring that over from a movie that's you know that he only shot you know three years ago? He can probably apply some of the same. Oh, sort of the same aesthetic a little bit. If you look at like the tail sections of the of the aerial HK versus the tail section on the dropship, kind of the same thing. That sort of quadruple horizontal thing. Um, the way it moves, the way it can sort of hover like a bug or 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 shoot forward. That's all very similar to the HKs. And plus, if you look, I, I looked at some of the behind the scenes stuff and the making of the thing, and it's just amazing in that time period when you look at a lot of these movies, the special effects that are being done with models. 
it, when you see the outtakes, they look horrendous. They look god awful. And then you you see the finished product, and it looks real. Like you know, you get that feeling. Real. I mean, there's a couple of moments in this landing where it kind of looks modelly, but um, it's amazing the things they can do with a little bit of smoke and and uh, camera angles to make these things look like real full on giant ships. Yeah, I remember seeing a a, f- a photo of the model of the atmosphere processor. And it looks, you know, without smoke, without good camera work, without picking the right lens and film speed and everything else, you think, how is this going to fool anyone? You know, if you put a bucket with some dry ice in there, you might sell it at, at sort of your, your local VFW Halloween pageant thing. But in fact, it looks absolutely fantastic on screen. Not everything. You're right. Not everything gets sold. It's still the technology of 1986. And while he certainly pushes it, I think to the ragged, bleeding edge of that technology with all the assurance of a guy who has full command of the special effects toolbox. You know, he doesn't have to default to someone else's judgment. I still think that it it looks, for what it is, pretty fantastic. Yeah, I think there's a couple of elements that sell it here mostly to me. What I noticed was I think it always helps to put a pair of headlights on a model. I think that that little uh, obscuring of the lights beaming into the camera Maybe even a little bit of lens flare you might get from time to time from that. Not necessarily in this shot. But I think that that helps sell the, a model, a miniature as well. But I also think that the editing here is is good. He put, We get you know kind of lengthy shots of the model coming down. But then we cut away to uh, the fuselage and Pharaoh inside looking down. We get grounded with a human being again. Then we cut back. And I think the most like Jerry Anderson looking shot and maybe the whole movie is when that the dropship actually lands yeah. and lowers the personnel carrier and it almost looks stop motiony like it almost looks like it was a stop motion agreed yeah it, it looks very stop motiony but he's still very smart right because what did he do during that whole descent he's bringing us inside and we're looking with the crew and the marines we're seeing on gorman's monitors and so you get how, how do you sell it well you you have kind of lower res tv film of your, of your models, and that's what they're seeing, and that's what we're seeing, and that also helps sell it, combined with that really great violin part of the score, which is very mysterious and, and sort of gins up the fact that it, it, you're almost looking at a haunted house. Um, I think that's very effective because you spend a lot of time inside the APC, inside the dropship, looking down at the colony, and so you hear things like the storm shutters are up. Oh, that's kind of mysterious. Why would the storm shutters need to be up? Why would it need to be armored up? And so those little hints that are thrown in there kind of get your mind going a little bit. And so you don't care as much about the fact that you're not buying every single frame of every single special effects shot. I think the quirkiness of what these older movies and the special effects also make it interesting. Like, you know, in the back of your mind, it's not real, but there's some kind of I don't know what the term is, but you just feel like engaged to the movie. Like you're, you're going to take them on there with whatever they're doing. You're going to take it as a different world and, and go with it. Um, Your basic suspension of disbelief, right? Yeah. You know, just even in the special effects, not even just storyline, but, um, and plus, you know, like you said, as he cuts away to, you know, the, the ship and you get a size scale, you get somebody driving, flying the, the, the ship. It sort of puts you in a, Oh, okay. That's how big it is. You sort of get a relative idea as opposed to just a model. Yeah, that practical sort of front two-thirds of the dropship that you had in the Sulaco Bay and that you get on, on the planet later, that's a that's a pretty effective 
model slash set that they built for for the ramp to be lowered and and for Spunkmeyer to run up into and and all of that stuff. I think that's that you know Spielberg does the same thing in Jurassic Park. You know, it's very very few computer generated dinosaurs and a lot more practical stuff. And and that's what Cameron does. He builds extremely convincing practical things and then kind of lets the the effects. You know, he, he certainly makes them the as good as he can, but I, I think a lot of the practical stuff is what sells it. Yeah, I think as long as you you appropriately ground the audience back into reality, you can get away with a lot as far as the effects go. So, like I said, I think the cut as we get the dropship coming down, cut to Pharaoh, cut back to the landing, which looks pretty, like we said, pretty miniature, pretty kind of phony. Cut to Bishop inside of the personnel carrier activating it you know i think things like that as long as you don't you know focus on them too long you you ground us back in i think you're going to get a lot of mileage out of uh what are could be considered now to be kind of cheap effects and and you don't have to focus too long on them do you because what you have is landing down and clear we have the close-up of the apc's front as it chugs away we have pharaoh sort of dragon flying away in the background and then suddenly door opens we cut to the classic Cameron shot of feet thumping on the deck, and that's it. You're done with your model shot. And then you fall right into something. And, and a lot of this, the other thing we could talk about is the familiarity here, like the allegory of Vietnam that we're getting uh, that, that's apparent in Aliens. We're getting the classic Huey. Huey lands in the field and everybody jumps out. You know, we're getting this very familiar thing, even though it's in a sci-fi space setting. We're back. We're into a reality that we've seen on the news. And it's actually this scene is actually really great because... Uh, all before we've seen bravado from the Marines, right? We've seen arrogance. We've seen, you know, the the, the talk of their of their firepower. You know, very tough hombre. Even the company man says it. Very tough hombres. Now we've had some doubts coming down about our our, our skipper. We know he's a rookie. We know he's pretty callow, and yet he's kind of doing everything by the book. And then we have them get out in a driving rainstorm, and with nothing but a ghost town to greet them debris and, 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 and swinging, you know, all, all that's missing are, are old creaky swinging shutters. So that's a nice touch because we have the Marines who are so badass now losing all of that, that sort of jocular arrogance and sliding into a very businessy um, soldier mode, if you will. And, and leaving kind of the locker room, and dick swinging back on the ship. Now they're very serious. Now they're in, in this sort of, there's so much suspense, right? When they land, because it's, it's really freaky. You, you wonder, are there going to be aliens boiling out and eating them the minute they land? There's, there's this element of, of, uh, of danger that hasn't been there before. And I think that's really, really a, a nice tonal shift from how cocky they are in the drop ship to immediately getting into this sort of more serious mode. Plus, they're all different characters. I don't know if you discussed earlier, but it's so nice to see like an army corps who are different people. Um, you know, Hudson is definitely the the goofball, and you know, you sort of have everybody's got a different kind of character. Even though they're all Marines, they all kind of dress them slightly differently, which kind of differ differentiates them, which is really nice to see. Um, and then, of course, obviously, the most important thing in a colony is a bar, which is what they come across. Why they didn't stop there to have a drink on the way, I don't know. <laughs> But I think it's appropriate that there's a, of, of all things, there has to be a bar at the colony. Yeah, I, what I wondered is um, how big it, – Hadley's Hope is what? It's like 200 people and, yeah, they, and, they, and they need a bar? 200 families, right? 200 families, they need a bar? Yeah, you'd need a bar. You, if you lived on that planet, you'd need a bar too, man. Yeah, I guess I would. 
I, I don't know. I mean, is there like a like a children's beer garden for the children? Probably. <laughs> I mean, all... it's like Cheers on an alien planet. You know, like <laughs> everybody knows your name on Hadley's Hope. Everybody. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I think it's it's really really sharp and and really um, the marine deployment is great because you have sort of you hear Gorman right telling them how to do it how to he's going by the book and you have a pone carrying out those orders and getting them to the rest of the marines but I like it because there's real suspense they don't know what they're going into and you know for all their firepower and all their arrogance it is a very you know this is not something they were really expecting. And and so as the as we cut to you know Apone with his binoculars kind of peering around, the place is pretty creepy. You know, tarps blowing in the wind, kind of stuff. The the classic abandoned space tractor trope. Um, so I, I I think this scene is actually really great in how in how it completes the tonal shift that the flight represents from the the, the Sulaco and the arrogance down to uh, we might be a little in over our heads we're not sure we're still really cocky we still have a lot of guns we still have our ship which is our way out right that that of course is the the ultimate um line of retreat right so as long as they have that they can bug out if they have to just kind of the same thing you know in black hawk down right the minute they saw their helicopter hit everything changed because that was supposed to render them invulnerable and to a certain extent the dropship kind of does that if they have if they're overwhelmed they beat feet they run away so I like this scene a lot. I think it's really creepy, really creepy. And a pwn, like apparently, was a Green Beret in a previous life. Oh, Al Matthews. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. Oh wait, no, Al Matthews was that was wait was that Grandpa? Oh, Al Lewis was Grandpa Munster. Okay, yeah. I mean, <laughs> he was also a Marine. But uh, no, I think Al Matthews had was he a sergeant in the Corps? Or was he actually in the Army? I thought I saw that he was in a, the Green Berets, which, you know, is pretty impressive. But it kind of gives an air of whatever you know, armed force he was in. He sort of comes across as a grunt who really has been on the ground and knows how to deal with the situation. You got Gorman, who is just like, OK, guys, um, go in and do this. And then, like, he's just like, all right, guys, here's what we're doing. And so you sort of get that feeling from him that um, he's been there and done this a few times. Uh, no, Al Matthews was a Marine who served in Vietnam. Okay, there you go. Wow, so he was the first black Marine in the 1st Marine Division, and uh, he was promoted to sergeant in Vietnam. So talk about knowing what you're, uh, what you're doing. I'm, I'm, yeah. I wonder if he, was the, if, if he was the sort of Dale Die of this movie who kind of put the cast through, through what it was like. But that's, that's kind of cool. That's yeah. yeah, he was. He, I think he led up, you know, he led the boot camp that they went on to, uh, you know, the castle went, went to boot camp prior to shooting. So I think he was kind of the de facto leader of that group and during that time. So it works. It, I mean, no better way to build up the dynamics of all the characters than to do that, I guess. But, yeah, he's he's great. Yeah, Apone, I wish uh, – <laughs> I'm looking forward to talking about him more for the rest of the movie. Uh-oh. Well, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, the rest of the movie. Just like you're looking forward to talking at length about Samuel L. Jackson in Deep Blue Sea. Yeah. Oh, well, that that's next year. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question. Is, is Vasquez like a super badass or all these guys just wimpy? Because they keep sending her in first and for everything. I know she's got the big gun. I yeah, she and Dietrich have the monster guns, right? Or Drake. She and Drake have the monster guns. Well, I think when you have the smart gun... 
you're you're probably going to be the point person no matter what, right? Like if something's going to come out, you want to be able to cut loose with 500 rounds instead of just a, a pulse rifle. So uh, it makes sense to send her. And plus, you, you're right. The vibe is that she is as as crack as a crack marine can be. She is as hard and as chiseled and has more esprit de corps than most of the others do. Um, so yeah, why not send your your ultimate badass ahead? Uh, Hudson Hudson pretends he is, but I think uh, I think we all know that we're getting the vibe at least after her her pull ups and everything else and her her hey I only need to know one thing where they are that that Vasquez might be the real deal, hmm. and the fact that she's toting a gun that is as large as she is. Yeah, right. <laughs> Which had to be really heavy, even even with you know the Steadicam rig. It had to, like her back must have been a mess after shooting. Uh, yeah, I mean that's an MG forty two, right? And an MG forty two German machine gun. That thing has got to weigh what twenty? Oh, it's World War two, so they didn't exactly use lightweight alloys. So I'm sure the gun itself is thirty thirty five pounds. So you, if you'll notice, she sort of always seems to have her shoulders and her back sort of arch back when she's carrying it, I think, because she has to, to sort of balance it out. It, it doesn't have this sort of counterbalance of a study cam rig. Or maybe it does, like in the back, there are some weight plates or something that we can't see. But it's I'm, I'm sure that the fitness she got into for the movie wasn't just to sort of flaunt the biceps and look tough. I'm sure that toting all that stuff around must have been an effort. No, it was. She, she fell over multiple times early uh, in the process. So she... They did have to counterbalance her a little bit, and yeah, uh, but you know, she does a good job. She's it's very convincing. It doesn't seem like she's struggling with it at all to me in these scenes. So, yeah, again, we're gonna have. There's always lots of Vasquez love on this show, so I guess we're getting it again today. She's so great. She really is. She is just such a sharply written character, and and she just the the her deeds match her words, which you kind of don't get a lot of, you know, in movies like this, when you have a, a sort of an excess of, you know, machismo, it's, it's generally to, to be deflated later, but, but Vasquez is every bit the badass that she seems to be. And that's kind of refreshing. I like that. Definitely with the strong women. Cameron. He loves him, man. He loves him. He must've, he, he must've had quite a mother. I mean, I'm, I'm, you wonder where this sort of formative thing came from that, that had him, write such incredibly strong-willed, strong physically, um, kind of women of steel who who anchor his movies, his early ones at least. We talked a little bit about his personal life earlier on the show and the, and the women he married, all very strong, independent, creative women, leaders. Yeah. Gail Ann Hurd. Gail Catherine Bigelow, Linda Hamilton, you know, so pretty, uh, yeah, he has a type, that's for sure. It wow. Seem- wow. He, if he married like Linda Linda Carter and and Lindsay Wagner, that would be perfect because that would like complete his like his per, his like super effective superwomen, <laughs> right? Right. And the 80s superwomen. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, that you know of, of a time of a time. Yeah. All right. I got nothing else on this one. The only th- the only the last note I had was uh, was space tractors. Make sure to mention space tractors. Jason loves space tractors. That was the only thing. But he already mentioned them, so I guess I should have known. As the owner of a John Deere D one seven zero lawn tractor, twenty six horsepower motor, I'm 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 something of an expert on on tractors, be they terrestrial or future or space in nature, and so I do appreciate a good space tractor. You you know that. All right, well let's wrap it up, Chris. We want to tell uh, the listeners where they can find you on the internet. Um, I'm hiding in your circuits. Uh, I am. You can find me on Twitter at Chris Eliopoulos, if you can spell it. All right. 
And Jason, we know that you don't want to be found on the internet, so we won't even bother. Um, uh, I, I don't want to be found so much that I have an intermittently working microphone and computer. Right. That's, that's well, my commitment to anonymity. Well, of course, you can find Alien Minute at AlienMinute.com or on Twitter at AlienMinutePod. Uh, you can also find us on Instagram at AlienMinutePodcast. Uh, Mon- it's Monday. we got to give a shout-out to Pete, the retailer, and Alex Robinson over at Star Wars Minute for loaning us this uh, format. Thanks again, guys. And if you haven't listened to Star Wars Minute, please go over there. They're all the way, almost completely done with the prequels. they got one left to go as we're recording this. So get over there and catch up. They did right. Phantom Menace minute by minute. They did Attack of the Clones minute by minute. That's you. yeah. I hate sand. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, 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 but you're so soft. Yeah. So All sweet. right. <laughs> well, that okay. Well, on that note, uh, that'll do it for minute thirty-six. We'll see you tomorrow for minute thirty-seven.